Uh, and you can find this on page 1043. <coughs> After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus. He was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, for I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. They will, um, there they will see me. Well, friends, let's uh, come to God in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this opportunity where we can look at your word. Uh, we pray you speak to our hearts. You encourage us this morning. Help us to understand what Christ has come to do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Morning, friends, once again, it's great to uh, worship this morning. If you're a visitor, let me once again warmly welcome you as we, at this time in our service, we open God's Word, uh, we look at what the Bible tells us, and we study God's Word, and today we're going to look at the aspect of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so the topic this morning is, the day Jesus came back to life. Now, there's, there's a Christian um, uh, group, uh, sorry, Christian groups in the UK have won a, a real battle in their campaign for shops to sell a religious Easter egg. And nearly every major supermarket will, for the first time this year, stock the real Easter egg, four pounds. That's what it costs. And uh, at this time, they will mention the word Jesus. So this is what we have. Now, I don't think you can really see what's written there, but the packaging says, in the original package, if you look at it carefully, I'm not sure if you can see it there, but it says, celebrate the real meaning of Easter. This is the real Easter egg. So really, to celebrate Easter, celebrate the real meaning of Easter by having the Easter egg. Now, I'm sure many of us enjoy Chocolates, right? Anyone doesn't enjoy chocolates here? Don't, don't raise your hand, please. I'm sure we do, right? Uh, the kids here this morning, did you have your Easter egg aunt in your home? Yeah? Any kids? No? Your parents didn't do that? Didn't hide eggs behind cupboards and all that kind of thing? No? This afternoon. Oh, I'm sorry. Well... In our place, the tradition has always been in the morning. We haven't done this now because we've got bigger kids. But when they were smaller, I used to take the eggs and hide them all over the place. It was great fun. I had some in my office as well. 
Now, I remember my first Easter in Australia many years ago, living by myself in Geelong. My room was in the basement of the house. Many of my colleagues, my friends had gone away on holidays for their Easter holidays. Myself and another Indian brother in Christ, the two guys in this big house. My room is down in the basement. That was very hard at the time. When I had a knock on my door, and there was this older couple from the church who had shown us so much of hospitality, invited me to their homes many times on Sundays for meals. And they stood there at the door, and lo and behold, in front of them they had this massive Easter egg. Seriously, it was very big. The first time in my life I've seen such a big Easter egg. Really, never seen anything like that in Sri Lanka, but it was so big. And they brought it to my front door in the room. I said, thank you so much. And then I really got stuck into it. So, Now, speaking about chocolates, what do you think of this room, friends? Does it look nice, that lounge room? Looks really pretty, doesn't it? Right? Looks really pretty. Now, what if I was to tell you that this is actually a chocolate room? This room is made entirely of Belgium's finest Chocolates, where every single piece of furniture is edible. The sculptor is Elena Clement, used over 600 kilograms of chocolate to make the lounge. I mean, you can Google it, you can find out, see for yourself. And the room features chocolate chairs, a table, a fireplace, and a flower pot. And it took two months to prepare this room. Imagine that, eh? having that. Oh boy, what a challenge. Well, enough about chocolates this morning. This morning we'll focus our thoughts on Easter. Uh, what is the real meaning of Easter? Is it all about the Easter eggs? Certainly we enjoy Easter eggs. Is it all about the chocolates? We enjoy chocolates. Or is it more than that? Well, today we want to focus our thoughts on the day Jesus came back to life. A day of celebration, a day of hope, a day of joy. It is a day that Jesus rose from the grave. The Bible tells us that Jesus, the Son of God, was was, uh, crucified on the cross. He was buried. And at the cross, Jesus suffered. He suffered pain. He suffered isolation. He suffered rejection. He suffered loneliness. And he was crucified. No other religious leader in the world can claim to have suffered the way Jesus did. The Bible tells us that Jesus, the Son of God, was perfect, he was pure, and his murder was a travesty of justice. Yet God had planned that his Son would be crucified to take my sin and yours on the cross. The Bible tells us that he was buried, and then the amazing miracle took place on the third day. He came back to life. Questions? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Did he really rise from the dead? Is it actually factual? Oh, we better take that thing off, all right? You know, people look at a chocolate place. Is it really uh, factual? Is it really historical? How could it possibly be for a person who was dead and buried to come back to life? Think about, from a human perspective... And with all your vital organs being dead, and you actually died, you've been buried, how, how will you possibly come back to life? There are doctors here this morning in this congregation, right? You know when a person is pronounced dead, 
it's, it's the end, isn't it? It's dead. And to come back to life from a medical perspective must be quite unique. It is unique. How could it possibly be? Was this story made up to give a sense of false hope for the disciples, for the church, for, 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 for us as Christians? Are, are we for real this morning, meeting here today, on this Sunday, on this Easter Sunday, talking about somebody who's come back to life? Chris, come on, please, be real. Well, let's see what the Bible tells us. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 10, in our passage, we have one look at three aspects here this morning. Focus our thoughts on the women, the surprise, and the encounter. The women. Well, Matthew mentions two women, Mary Magdalene uh, and the other Mary, who went to the tomb early morning. This is the first affirming, they are the first affirming witnesses of the resurrection. They are women. Another time, women couldn't even testify in a court of law. But here, they are witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, Mark, in his account of the resurrection, focuses on Mary Magdalene. He says this in Mark chapter 16, You know the one who had seven demons. She had been transformed by Jesus. From the other Gospels, we know that there were more than just Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, that is the mother of Joseph and James, but there was also Joanna and Salome and perhaps even some other women who went on that first day to visit the tomb. So we see in our passage this morning, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Uh, These women got up while it was still dark. And it became dawn as they approached the tomb. The Sabbath actually ended the evening before. So when they had come to the tomb, if you do the calculations, I think it's, it's about at least 10 hours now since the Sabbath has come to an end. And the chief priests and the rulers and Pontius Pilate had in fact put guards there to guard the tomb. And they secured it and sealed it. They had the tomb guarded. The tomb was provided by a guy by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. Remember this, when Jesus died, Joseph Arimathea took the body of Jesus down from the cross to bury him, to bury Jesus. And Joseph was assisted by another guy by the name of Nicodemus, who was now a convert to Jesus. And Nicodemus brought about 75 pounds of spices with him to kind of embalm the body of Jesus. So Joseph and Nicodemus, they wrapped the body of Jesus with linen cloths, put the face cloth over him, and put the 75 pounds of spices there, and then they laid Jesus in the tomb. And the tomb was sealed. Now, a question. Where were the disciples during this process of the burial? Where were these guys? Really, think about it. We know that Peter and John were somewhere in Jerusalem. John had been there with his responsibilities being assigned to the care of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Peter denied the Lord and is somewhere in Jerusalem. He's in hiding. At the Mount of Olives, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was arrested, the rest of the disciples fled over the Mount of Olives, so they are probably back in Bethany, maybe at the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. So, where are these guys? But the women are there. They are there. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, we read this. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph 
and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Get this, friends. The guys are hiding somewhere. But the women are there bold, aren't they? Women are really bold. And they're coming out there. And they are there looking at what is going on. In fact, uh, we see this, uh, we see this in the Gospel of Luke. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. And then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. Now why did they bring the spices? Wasn't Jesus' body already prepared with spices by Joseph and Nicodemus? Uh, why would they want to take this body out again? Anyway, it's, the body would, uh, as you know, would start to be decomposing uh, in, in the tomb. We don't know. Perhaps they thought that the guys had not done a good job. And they, we can only speculate, all right? These guys, man, they don't know how to do the job properly. We need to do it better. We only speculate. But certainly what we see, we can't deny this fact, is the devotion of these women to Jesus and their love for Christ. A deep devotion for Jesus and a love for Christ. And so we have the women who were the last of the grave are now, at the, now the first at the tomb and they showed up with more spices. And perhaps on the way they probably thought to themselves, who is going to roll the stone away? How are we going to get in here? How are we going to get this body out? And so we have in our text here this morning the surprise. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said, Come see the place where he lay. This is the earthquake, friends. It hits again. This is the second earthquake in three days. There had already been an earthquake when Jesus was on the cross. It split the rocks. It even emptied some of the graves of the Old Testament saints, which Matthew refers to in his gospel in Matthew chapter 27. And this is the second earthquake. Was it just another aftershock? Was it an aftershock? No. I want to say to you this morning, friends, that the creation is involved in this process. All right? God the Creator, Christ the Son, is involved in this whole process and the creation is responding to what is going on. The earth is shaking. The earth is trembling. Because God is at work. No one can order an earthquake to come around, can we? No, God has done it. And creation is responding. And responding in the most spectacular way of a trembling, of an earthquake that once split the rocks and raised people from the grave and now the earth is trembling again. And this time, the stone has been rolled away. The stone is literally taken away. It didn't get rolled back. If you look at the original text, it was literally taken out. It's... Um, Estimation, a few tons heavy, this stone. And then, lo and behold, an angel is sitting on it. 
And notice what the angel says to the women. This is a command. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. Wouldn't you be afraid? You go to a tomb. You go to a graveside and suddenly you see the thing opened up. And an angel sitting there, wouldn't you be afraid? It's dusk, it's, 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 it's early morning. The angel said, Don't, do not be afraid. He's not here, he's risen. Come see the place where he lay. The stone did not get rolled away to let Jesus out. I want to make that point here this morning. The stone wasn't rolled away so that Jesus can come out of the tomb. Right? The stone was rolled away to let the women and the disciples come in and see. And when it says, don't be afraid, in the original, it literally means this, don't you be afraid. In fact, the original translation would give us the emphasis here, not on the word don't, but it's on the word you. The proper translation is this, don't you be afraid. Comforting, isn't it? Why? Why don't you, you you don't have to be afraid. Don't you be afraid because you believe in Jesus. Because Jesus is your Lord. Don't you be afraid. They are believers in Jesus, so they don't have to be afraid. Unlike the guards. See the contrast? What happened to the guards? These are Roman soldiers. They are not small guys like me. They also mean big guys standing there. They are guard in this place. They are tanks. They guys are absolutely trembling. They are like dead men. Bewildered and confused. Angel ignores them and speaks to the women. Don't you be afraid. Why? Because he is not here. He is risen. And I think, friends, these are some of the most profound, I think, most profound words we have in Scripture proclaimed by an angel. He is risen. He is not here. You see, this is a message from God himself. A message that God himself sent through one of his angels. This is a message from heaven to earth. Uh, This is a message uh, of comfort. This is a message of hope. This is a message of love to an empty and lost world. Think about our world that we live in. Don't you see a lostness in this world? I'm actually appalled. Each time you put the TVs on, the first few items on the news, somebody has been murdered, somebody has been stabbed, somebody has been robbed, somebody has been done this, something's happened here in the world. What do we see in this world? We see grief. We see happiness as well. We see sadness. It's a complex world, isn't it? Life itself is complex. I, I've been reflecting about life. Uh, maybe, you know, see our kids growing up and I'm getting older and think, man, what is happening to my life? You know, uh, it's not a midlife crisis, I could say that. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I like to talk to some of you guys. But I sort of think, wow, what is going on? The, the complexity of life, it baffles me. It baffles me to think of this world that we are living in. We worry about our children. I've spoken to some of the older members of our congregation and said to me, I worry about our grandchildren. What kind of world are we leaving for them? Don't you worry about that? 
What kind of world are we living for our young teenagers when they go out to the city? We're sitting back waiting till they come home thinking, oh, will it be safe on the train? What, what, what kind of place are we living in? We say brokenness, relationships destroyed, marriages destroyed, uh, sons who are kids who are killing their parents. It's happening. It's weird. It's sad. It's a broken and a lost world. And the angel comes and gives a message of hope to a dying world. And we see the angels active again. The tomb is empty. The body of Jesus was not there. He is not here. He is risen. Wonderful. In the Gospel of John, we read this. See, uh, stooping to look, uh, Peter and John, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the, the linen clothes lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. I, I looked at this text and kind of perplexed me at the start. He said this, Remember when Jesus did a miracle and raised the dead man by the name of Lazarus back to life? Right? People had to help Lazarus remove the grave clothes from him. Remember that? They had to help unpack, unwind this, this cloth that was wrapped around Lazarus. But this was not so with Jesus. He simply passed through those grave clothes. Just the way he passed through the doors. And everything was folded and neatly kept in place. See, Lazarus had a mortal body and would die again. But not Jesus. The angel tells the women to let the disciples know that Christ has risen. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. And then, friends, we see the encounter. While on their way to give the news to the disciples, they had an encounter. An encounter that would be being absolutely spectacular. Look what happens. And behold, who meets them? Who meets them? Jesus met them. The text is so plain and yet so profound. It's a few words. And we can read the text, we can read the passage, oh yeah, Jesus met them. So what? Do we actually sit down and actually think about it? Jesus met them. The man who was crucified, the man who was put in the tomb, the man who was buried with 75 pounds of spices, risen and he meets them. Wow. It must have been one of the most amazing moments in the lives of these women. The text says it all, doesn't it? Behold, Jesus met them. Met them. Think about it, friends. The Savior, crucified, buried, is now alive. And remember on Good Friday, we saw the soldiers mock Jesus and he said, and the soldiers said, oh, he saved others, he can't save himself. What happened three days later? Jesus conquers the grave. He not only rises from the grave, but he's died to save others. Right? And what's happened? He's come back to life. And Matthew uh, 28 and verse 8 tells us this. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples because Jesus met them. He greets them. The word there is kairete. It's, a, it's a, just a simple term. Hi. Uh, I was thinking if it was today, would Jesus say good day? Right? It would be saying, hi, how are you? Hello, just a normal greeting. Christ has risen. 
And in the book of Acts we read this. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of how long? Forty days. And spoke about the kingdom of God for forty days. He, he, he proved that he was alive. And Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, says in 1 Corinthians 15, that Christ was crucified according to the scriptures. He was raised according to the scriptures. So, my dear friends, the resurrection is biblical. He said he has appeared. He's appeared to more than 500 people. The estimation, I've done the calculation. Some people say it's about 800 people. And Paul says, these are your witnesses. Some of them are still alive. 20 years later, that is after the event. Some of them are still alive. Some have fallen asleep. And Paul himself encountered Jesus. And Paul says how important it is for the resurrection of Christ. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then friends, you and I are dead in our sins. All right? We are not forgiven. We won't be raised to life. We are to be pitied for following our myth. We are crazy nuts. Wasting our time here this morning. The apostles are all liars. The point is that if if the gospel accounts of the resurrection are not true, then that is the greatest hoax that has ever been put upon us, I think. But the resurrection of Jesus is a fact. There are many eyewitness accounts to the resurrection. It's a testimony of the eyewitness accounts. That's what matters. Coming back to Matthew 28, notice what the women did when they met Jesus. They did something, friends. They came up to cold of his feet and they worshipped him. That was their response. They worshipped Christ. See, John MacArthur writing on this, he says this, They moved from sympathy to fear to joy to worship, a series of emotions. This is, by the way, no spirit. This is no apparition. That is, this is not a ghost. No figment of their imagination. This is not a group hallucination. They grasped his feet. They seized him with adoring love. They were overwhelmed with thanks, overwhelmed with wonder. They fell at his feet and they worshipped. You see, when Jesus encounters your life and mine, our response can only be that of worship. These women knew Jesus as opposed to the religious leaders at the time. You see, the so-called religious leaders at the time of Jesus are the people who shouted, crucify him, crucify him. They had missed the point. These last few days I've been listening to a talk back to just understand what the thinking of our society is about Easter. I mentioned this briefly on Good Friday. It's about religious things. I've heard this word, religious. And I I, I cringe when I hear the word religious. Religious people. Ah. You see, being religious does not make you right with God. Alright? Religion will not save you from your sins. Religion will not get you to heaven. Being religious is totally opposed to what we have 
here in the text here this morning, it's not about being religious because if you look at the Gospels and you look at the death and crucifixion of Jesus, you see it was the religious people who put Jesus to the cross, right? It is, it is us who sent Jesus to the cross. It is the religious leaders who sent Jesus to the cross. They are the ones who cried out, crucify him. Contrast that with the women. Humble hearts had a relationship with Jesus. You see that? Are you a religious person? Or are you a person who have a relationship with Jesus? You try and work that one out, right? Being religious will not get you to heaven. Being religious will not wash your sins away. Only Jesus does. And I think that's our problem, I think, in our society. People have confused religiosity with a relationship with Jesus. I think that is one of the prime issues, I think, that we are facing in Australia. It's interesting, I go, go around giving all these flyers to people, inviting them, oh, I'm not religious. Oh, I'm a religious person. No, I'm not religious. I said, please, I don't care about you being religious. I don't say that to them. I want you to know Jesus, have a relationship with Christ. Take your religious thing and put it in the dustbin and think about a relationship with Christ. You see? Only Jesus does. You see, those who have repented of their sins and turned to Christ um, will know the joy of the risen Jesus in your life and have the assurance of salvation. So friends, as I conclude this message, or wrap it up this morning. Just on Easter Sunday, we can enjoy the Easter eggs and all the chocolates by all means. And then go and run and exercise so that you will feel good after you add all those chocolates. But Easter... <laughs> But Easter is more than chocolates and Easter bunnies, isn't it? It's about the day that Jesus came back to life. The most amazing miracle ever. So what does that mean to us? You see, the resurrection of Jesus gives us real assurance of forgiveness of our sins. All the wrong things that I've done in my life, I confess to Christ, and he will forgive me all my sins. The slate is wiped clean. The guilt is taken away. My sins are washed away. Wow. Aren't you excited about that? Aren't you thankful to God for that? Right? The resurrection of Jesus gives us salvation. That is that we've been saved from death and brought to a living relationship with Christ. The resurrection of Jesus gives you hope in your life. You see, you may be going through massive challenges and struggles in your life, and you might be in a hopeless situation this morning, I don't know. I want to say that the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives you hope in your life. The resurrection of Jesus gives us lasting joy as we trust the living Savior. There is one thing, friends, the Christian gospel offers forgiveness and joy. Right? What a wonderful thing to have the joy of Christ in our lives. Take everything from me, from the world, and give me the joy and peace of Christ, I'll be satisfied. <laughs> wow. Because that is joy that Jesus gives to us, that the world cannot give you. The resurrection of Jesus gives us power to live new and transformed lives today in 2013. The resurrection of Jesus gives us comfort because Jesus knew suffering. 
He knew what it meant to be lonely. He knew what it meant to be betrayed. He knew what it meant to be denied. He understood human pain in his heart when he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me at the cross? He understood rejection. He's a man of sorrows who understands grief. And I put this in my notes this morning. You see, he understood what death really meant. See, we talk about death, but none of us have really experienced death, have we? I haven't. But Jesus knew what death is because he actually died. I have stood in, front, uh, in, in, in hospital rooms and people have died in front of me. But I've never experienced the thing called death myself. But Jesus did. You see, uh, think about it. You know, he, he actually faced it. He actually died. And more importantly, he faced it for you and for me. And he was buried in a tomb, a dark place. But from that tomb, he rose again. And the resurrection gives, up, gives us hope for life after death. Because he has gone to prepare a home for us where? In heaven. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I am going there to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you also may be. The Bible tells us, friends, that after the resurrection, he was taken up to heaven. The Bible tells us that Jesus will return one day. It will be a day of judgment. It will be a day of rejoicing for those who have trusted Jesus. And we should not see Christ's resurrection as an event separate from our own future resurrection. For the Apostle Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3, 20-21. But our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be, what? Like his glorious body. Ask you a question this morning. Is the risen Jesus your savior? Have you come to a place in your life that you can grasp, as it were, the feet of Jesus in faith and worship him today as your Lord and Savior? It is only in Christ alone that we are eternally safe and secure. We are safe in the arms of Jesus, safe on his gentle breast. For John Stotter said this, we live and die. Christ died and lived. Did you know Jesus this morning? Have you given your life to Christ? Maybe this is the first time you've been here in this church. The first time you heard the message of Easter. I'll ask you this morning seriously to consider. To commit your life to Christ today if you've not done that. 
you will say, I will give my life to Jesus this morning. Come and see John and myself, if you're a lady, we will direct you to uh, ladies in this congregation because we would like to share with you the good news of the resurrection of Jesus. May the joy of Christ fill our hearts this morning. May his peace be upon us. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that our Savior Jesus is alive. He has conquered the grave, completed the work of redemption, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come back as judge to rule the world forever. Pray this morning for those of us who know Christ, that we will be filled with gratitude in our hearts and have the joy and peace of Christ celebrate Jesus in our lives. Pray this morning if there is anyone here today who has heard the Easter message perhaps for the first time, never contemplated looking into the life of Jesus, living a life without hope, without peace, without knowing an unknown future, without eternal life, that today will be the day of conversion, of a new beginning. I pray that such a person will pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my life. I commit my life to you, Jesus. Give me the joy of salvation today and help me to be your child. Thank you for dying for my sins and rising from the grave for me. In Jesus' name, amen.